Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fick Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. I am Brandon T. McClure. With me, as always, is Sparks Witty. It is I. I am here. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Don't stop till you spark enough. Come on. I was wondering if you're going to remember. I'll always remember. Um, I can't leave Sparks hanging. I almost need to make sure I got it for it undocked. <laughs> you needed to use a little lubricant for that one. Um, all right, we're here to talk about Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War. This is directed by Jeffrey W. Bird, written by Davy Perez and Anitra Johnson. So, uh, but that's just to get into this one. It's a heavier episode than the last week's episode. So what do we think about this one? Why don't you go ahead, Sparks? Okay. Um, I thought that it was good to find, depending on what point in the episode I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, feel the same way? Um, I mean, mostly, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been thinking about it, and there's 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 something about the episode that I that I don't that I'm that doesn't sit with me, but I'm not quite sure what it is. So I'm glad we're having a discussion. I liked I liked the big swing that they were going for. You know, I don't want uh. I love the the lovely light episodes, but also you know I can enjoy you know a nice a nice uh, a nice thing piece as we've had in this last in these last two seasons. Um, I just think it misses the mark some of the time, uh, but like I appreciate the big swing. But um, mostly I agree. It's a it's a it's a good episode. Yeah, I'm not sure where I fall in this episode. I'll be honest. It I think tonally it reminds me very much of the episode from last from last season, which is the one where uh, Pike has to wrestle with the fact that if either he lets a kid die or he lets the entire species fall out of the sky. Um, and I, I think that episode is probably a little stronger, mm -hmm. truthfully, probably a lot stronger. Um, I think that there are things that this episode does that don't quite hit as well as they want it to. I, I've got some mixed feelings about this one. I'll be honest. I think, I'm, I think this one's going to be interesting because I'm working out, I'm working through a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so why don't we why don't we why don't I start with a with a positive? Because I know for a fact that the very first ship that we see in this episode, I love it. I love ships. You guys know me. Everybody knows me. If you're watching this show, you know me. I love starships. And the and Star Trek Change to Worlds has 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 been they have they their budget is not as big as as some would hope. So they have to reuse ships, but we got a brand new, beautiful starship. And I, I love it. I love it when we do that. I love it. I'm so happy about it. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about it. Cause like I, it, it is a nice looking ship, but I don't, I like well, starship ships plenty, but like, I, I don't, I'm not as reverent as you are. So I do want to know why it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so cool. I didn't well, remember a, there was a new ship. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a there is a thing that uh, Star Trek Change in the Worlds has adopted from Star Trek the original series, actually, which is that um, there's a lot of Constitution class starships. Constitution class starships that's with the Enterprises. Um, and the last season, when the the second Gorn episode, which is the one they're on the planet, they're in a, a different type of starship. They're in a different class of starship, but it's still a Constitution class. I think the only difference is that it's smaller, and I really mm -hmm. didn't care for that. 
And this season, we've seen more of the Farragut class, which is Kirk's ship, and we've seen more of the Archer class, which is what we saw in the first in the first episode of the first season. Um, and th- those are cool ships. I like those ships. I like the Farragut class specifically. Constitution class is my baby. I love that ship so much. Um, but I really like the big kind of arrowhead swing that they were like, yeah, we know that starships have a, you know, you know what a starship looks like. It's got a saucer section and it's got a, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a whole section, which is their engineering section. And then the nacelles and that's, and then kind of variate variations on all of the, on, on, on that, either the saucer is down below or it's a, or the thing is like to the side or whatever. But this one was really cool because it was just like this, thin kind of arrowhead looking ship that kind of came to a point at the end, but that's not where the deflector dish was. The deflector just came down to the, came down on the bottom of it. And it's had this, the one nacelle. And I was just like, that's cool. I'm happy that we just played with the ship design for a minute mm-hmm. there. Whose, whose ship was that? That was, um, uh, general doc Ross, ambassador gotcha, okay. doc Ross. That's where they picked him up. He was on that ship. And so they picked him up. Gotcha. Okay. So it was a Federation starship, um, but they picked but they picked them up from it. So I, I just appreciated it because I love starships. But the ship, the ship minute, we're brand team. Yeah, the, there's ship minute for you. It doesn't happen too frequently on this show because they reuse ships a lot. And I like I appreciate it when you don't. All right. That was the shipyard section of the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, Ambassador Raw. Mm-hmm. comes it's basically the plot of this episode is that ambassador raw comes on board the enterprise and he's a klingon um right off the bat i do really like how pike makes the mention that the that that some of his crew fought in the klingon war and some of them didn't so there's going to be a different uh, a, a different way that people are going to approach these klingons approach a klingon especially one as revered that's not the word infamous infamous as yeah. yeah as him um i do like immediately when he beams on board we see the transporter chief kind of like tense up like oh yeah i'm not comfortable here um i i like I, I like the kind of sense of tension that the episode yeah. creates right off the bat the thing that i like the most about this episode is is until the end is is the idea that Starfleet, it's about, you know, it's about uh, everyone's equal and we're trying to move forward and, and progress. And like, yeah. what do you do when a mass murderer arrives on your ship? And he's like, no, I'm cool now. No, but I'm cool now. It's like it's Operation Paperclip. Like, yo, you're bringing Nazis into like, no, but we're cool now. Don't worry about it. Like, that's tough to deal with. And I think I think the strength of this episode is how Mbenga handles it. Uh, even again, some of his story, I think, is is some of the weaker stuff. But I think also some of the strongest stuff is because how he deals with with the war and the aspects of how. What is a what is a federation that is out for exploration like do in the face of war and how that does change people? Uh, and I liked uh, again until until the end of the episode, I was like some people can change. And I know like I'm not saying that like you know like warmongers in a real real life deserve a second chance like that, but it's a fiction, you know. Like you know Emma Frost is my favorite one of my favorite characters. She was a coke addict supervillain in the '80s, right? People can change in fiction, right? So like I like the trajectory of the episode, but then I just think the episode kind of fumbled it at the end. Um, but I like I like the through line of the story. I think it's a really cool Star Trek idea. Sparks, did you have a thought there? Not on what Ryan was saying. Um, I agree with him, but not yeah. in specific response to it. Um, they did the thing again, didn't they, where it was Pike's log at the beginning, but it's Mbenga's at the end. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we get Pike's log and then we get Mbenga's log again because we get the the thing where he's like, oh, we're, we're I'm fixing up the I'm fixing up the thing and it's always keep breaking after the thing. And he's the bookend. He he mm-hmm. ends the episode with his log, but he doesn't start the episode with his why log. Why do we start with two logs? I, yeah, I don't know why Weird. they feel like they had to start with Pike's. Yeah, I agree. Like it, in I think that shows a mm, hesitation to have confidence in in the very story they were telling. Yeah, um, that we have to start from Pike's perspective right away, just to be like, I know there's uh, bad feelings, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, yeah. And there could have been a more natural way of that progressing. Like he shows up on the ship, and then they like naturally explain that story instead of I don't know like front loading it. Yeah. There's so much to talk about for this episode. I think I'll start with. Um, I thought the flashbacks were really cool at first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought that was really neat. And then when the episode was over, I thought about them more, and I was like, "Did did we need those? Actually, did we need those? Did we need question. all of them? Did we need all of them, or did we just need like one for Chapel and one for Mbenga, and like yeah. call it a day?" Because I think we spend too much time on that when really it's all one point just being told in different sections. But it's all the same point. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really interesting point. I didn't I didn't ever ask that question, did we need all of them? And now that you ask it, I'm not sure where I fall on that. Because to be honest, like the important one is the revelation that it's Mbenga killing the Klingons. Yeah. Yes. And you could just have that. There's like, you you don't need to do all, and you could have Chapel have one about when he met Mbenga and like a little bit of like whispers about that, like, but just condense it all into like a flashback with Chapel about the drugs and like things are bad and like, yeah, he's killing. But like, they're talking about it in the present. They're like, they're saying, you don't need to kind of show me. You don't need to show me. Him threatening killing children. Yeah. For me to believe you. Yeah. I believe you went through war. They're good actors. I don't need to see all these flashback scenes. I think they're ultimately like, kind of sucking up time that probably was more important in the present yeah the one flashback i i do like is is Mbega talking to that soldier because yeah, that is the that is the thing that i do like about him talking <clears throat> about you know we didn't we didn't i joined the federation not to be a soldier and it is like a firm like radical stance of like listen in the face of adversity even if you're a pacifist you have to become someone with a fist like you have to fight you have to fight bad people sometimes there's no there's no there's no nothing to do against it that- like that makes you a good person, even if you're fighting, and that's like a, something you have to deal with. That, I really like that. That is maybe the most important point that you need to have outside of like the revelation for Mbenga mm-hmm. is the I didn't join to be a soldier, and now I'm a soldier. Um, Show us the horrors of and war, and like, and, and like, like, you don't need to do the whole episode. And I think that's valuable, but like, we maybe needed, we could have probably done three or four, like two for Chapel and two for Mbenga. It felt like an arrow. Flashback, felt like an arrow episode, <laughs> appropriately spaced throughout the episode. And that probably would have been enough. Yeah. I don't think we needed the amount we had or the scene time that they gave it because like it just didn't do more. I think it starts to cannibalize towards the end because like it should just focus on the future. Just focus on these characters. To be honest, I felt like they kind of went into a place where they were like, we can be dark on this show. Mm -hmm. We can be now. We can be dark. Um, And I'm like, that's cool. I don't know. Did it it totally have purpose all the time? Sometimes. Sometimes. But all the time? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a really got, good question. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say just like real quick, it got extremely violent too. Like, like we were seeing like like John Wick murders happening. And I'm like, whoa, like I mean, cool, I guess. <laughs> and I think it and I think it could have those things. Like 
we could have done a lot of that like a lot faster just omega facing his trauma rather than having to like really sit in a lot of those scenes for that amount of time yeah joseph wick there's there's a couple of things that you guys brought up that uh, that kind of lead me to some points but i, I want to focus uh, on what on what ryan said about the the the, the scene between mbenga and the other soldier uh the other starfleet officer and and what I, what I do appreciate about this episode is that it 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 bears a it bears a similarity to an episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War, which is a big war that uh, which is the big war of the twenty fourth century, Klingon War being the big war of the twenty third century. Federation always finds themselves in a war that they don't want, um, and I really appreciate them talking about this idea that the Feder that that Starfleet specifically. Are not warriors. They're not trained for war. They've got, they've got strong weapons, but they're meant for defense more than anything else. They're they're not a, they're a they're. It's really weird to say to, to think of it this way, but they they are a military of exploration. Mm -hmm. Like they are their primary duty forever is to explore. And so you look at, and so the, you know what I like about that is that it parallels what Uhura is kind of doing in this episode. I know Uhura doesn't get a lot to do in this episode. She's she's a very much a side character, but there is an interesting contrast with Uhura's character in this episode where she's looking at Ambassador Roz like, oh my god, this reformed Klingon because she came up through the ranks through the academy after the war, whereas most whereas a lot of her shipmates, a lot of her friends didn't, and so she she has a very different perspective of of what this war is then that soldier who went into the federation to went into starfleet academy for the exact same reason that Uhura did mm -hmm. but but is flung into a war that nobody wanted except for the klingons basically drafted yeah yeah and i i, I do really like that kind of look at starfleet that these yeah. that this is something that they uh, that they're just not never prepared for because this is not what their purpose is. Although there is that dude, there is um solid snake Hemel with the scar uh, and he's part of like special ops Star Trek. So like yes. there's apparently a whole like special ops team going around assassinating people, which is like, that's cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you need that CIA. You need that kind of stuff. Very, very reminiscent of a, his, his, he's, he's an Andorian. You can tell by the blue, by the blue skin and the antennas. Um, and Andor I really appreciate that. That's the third, variant andorian we've seen kind of creating this idea that strange new worlds has been perpetuating of this idea that not all alien species look exactly the same he very much has the has the long kind of shadow cheeks of the original series andorians in the last episode we saw just normal blue face people as andorians and of course hammer is an andorian variant um with the big prosthetic kind of eyebrows just nice little nice little detail i appreciate yeah just wanted to shout it out Shut up. There's another thing, though, that I want to talk about that maybe I'll... Hmm, how do I want to put this? Because this is kind of a silly continuity thing rather than a kind of a heavy kind of episode thing. What, what we flash back to is Discovery. We mm -hmm. flash back to essentially Discovery Season 1. Um, and that's cool. And I, I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of into that because I like the previously on Star Trek Discovery. We we fought Klingons and Klingons were like blah blah blah. The whole remain Klingon that Ortegas talks about that's from Star Trek Discovery. That was uh, Takuma's battle cry. Um, and he, and, but the the I'm re, I, I'm happy to see kind of that Discovery rep, rep, but 
I do wish that there was I, I wish that they were wearing Discovery era uniforms and not Strange New Worlds era uniforms. This is the same thing I rubbed up against in the episode where we talked about um on Rigel 7. Um when the when they went to Rigel 7 and the Yeoman was wearing just a Strange New Worlds uniform. Just the kind of like continuity that kind of like little extra bit of continuity that I wish they would do to kind of mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, if we're back to Discovery, let's use the Discovery Com badges and the Discovery tactical outfits and let's make it look like we're back in Discovery, but it just kind of looks like we're in Strange oh, World. Okay. Still. You mean you mean in the flashbacks with the R2 characters, they're they're not wearing mm-hmm. the the appropriate uniforms. Yes. Okay. No, yes. that, that should be an attention and detail thing that like that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. I, I just wish they went that extra mile. It's yeah. probably it's probably just as simple as they don't have the props anymore. Um yeah. but I I wish they maybe just put in the little extra effort. It's one of those things that like doesn't attract, but like it, it would be a bonus, you know. Like yeah, little, exactly, little exactly. Yeah. Um, also in the flashback, welcome back to the franchise, Clint Howard, uh, Clint, yeah, Ron yeah. Howard's brother, Love is that. in this is in the first flashback, and he has been in Star Trek since the original series. He was in the first season of the original series as a nine year old child. I think that's funny. Man, Howard's all of them that work. Even their dad, he's 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 like a hundred doing work still. Love it. Is he still working? I don't know if he's passed, but that dude shows up in movies. Uh, it's a lot of older movies, for sure. Uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to shout out Clint Howard, because when I saw him, I was like, well, damn, they did it. They got Clint yeah. Howard back. When I see Clint Howard, all I think of is the right-hand man of the mayor and the Grinch. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, I see, I I have a way more obscure one where he's in a, a, a 90s horror movie called The Ice Cream Man, where he's <laughs> a murderous ice cream man. <laughs> and that's how I know him. That's funny. Yeah. I know him as a nine-year-old from Star Trek: The Original Series. Um, you gotta look later, not now, but like you should look up the picture of Clint Howard in Star Trek: The Original Series. It's really funny. Looks the same. Is he an alien or is he just a regular kid? He's an alien. He's well, he's oh. he's he's a baby as yeah. as an alien, and it's yeah. just it's just really funny. Love it. Um. Anyway, let's move. Let's let's so so the the I do agree now that I'm kind of thinking about it, Sparks that how many flashbacks were there do we do we do, like what if i took five? a guess because i didn't count if i took a guess i'd honestly technically say seven maybe eight because of the double up on uh when we think it's um the ambassador flashing back but it's a manga and then we see it mm-hmm. again and it's and then we see more of it, and it's a oh, yeah, so yeah, technically yeah. it's a double up, but it, it it still happens both times. It's a different flashback, technically almost. Yeah, I would I would agree with you, kind of as I'm thinking about it. Like, you know, maybe we need the first one. I'm happy with the first one, the last one, and the soldier one. But outside of that, like, what's what's really exciting about a flashback where we see, um, Chapel massaging a heart. Like what's what? What do we need? What what do we need there? Right? What what's that? What's that flashback to need? Well, see, and like it, it feels like there's. I don't think they were going for this. I want to be yeah. clear. I don't think it was even kind of the thing they wanted to do. But it does feel like if that was to have a purpose, the purpose would be that like the Federation kind of fails these people too, because yeah. like Ryan made an excellent point, and I was already thinking about it before he said it. But like we can just like make whatever food we want. On up here on the Enterprise, but like a uh, cup and and juice already hot. <laughs> but, but we can't we can't get a heart out here on on the field. They're using and like I, old school tools and like and like like Clint Howard references it. His character references that he keeps asking for these supplies that they're not getting. Um, 
and that he says is like it's less than like they're just saying like oh we can't it's they're not even responding um like the outer rim like they're not even answering the calls and it must be frustrating it's unfortunate i think that the episode doesn't go into it but it must be frustrating for mbenga and chapel to know that like the resources and the technology exists to save everybody who dies at that war zone. Yeah. They just don't have them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like to know that they're there, they just don't have them on them. Remember when uh, uh, the ambassador gets burned, they go right to the med bay and they just like, hey, here's your skin back. We're just going to give you your skin back. Right. Like, not that's not on that battlefield for sure. Uh, and and that's that would be the purpose, right? If Of what you're specifically referencing, like chapel massaging the heart. Like it's, it's highlighting where the Federation pushes people beyond what they can safely like if they are truly an explorer like they may get caught up in a war but they can choose how they engage in that war and like in this case they're engaging in a way where they're basically just throwing these people into a into a shredder to get killed they're not prepared they're not they're not giving them what they need to even kind of survive um and i feel like that could have been a conversation, but it just doesn't want to be. It only wants to be about the Klingons being bad at the time. Yeah. So that actually brings up an interesting, an interesting point that I didn't think about because that replicator that's on the enterprise isn't supposed to be there. Uh, in the 23rd century, they didn't have replicator technology. Um, they had synthesizers, but not, it's not the same thing I've recently found out. Um, mm. But what we see with the cup mm. materializing and the liquid in it, that's not supposed to be there. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting that they draw attention <clears throat> accidentally to a continuity error uh, by not making that flashback uh, uh, more meaningful. Yeah, it's Jack Quaid. He did it. <laughs> Jack Quaid did it. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 brought, he brought a replicated technology. The replicated thing has been bugging me for a while, so I'm kind of glad that I was finally being able to bring up bring it up in a continuity way and not in a like a story way, and not in the like a hmm, no yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> they just got um, it now. Yeah, it's it's it clearly it doesn't work like it's supposed to because it they can't get it they can't get it right. I mean, Brandon, they had it during the original series. It was just broken the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I so shout out to the made, to the made it so group real quickly, um, which is my Facebook Star Trek group. Um, we'll see this in many many months. Um, but we I had asked the question. Um, so guys, question in in the original series. So in the original series, when the, in the galley of the original series, in the mess hall of the original series, which is basically the bar set uh, uh, set in this in this show, they have these like uh, colorful food cubes and and things. That is their food, and that was supposed to be like Gene Rod and be like food of the future, mm-hmm. um, and that's like proteins and and things like mixed into a goop and then created. That's what a synthesizer is. And then like Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country has like a galley where it's just like uh, they have cooks like making food for everyone and and things like that. And then Star Trek: Next Generation has like replicators. You can make whatever you want. Um, replicators technology uses something different. It uses. Um, doesn't matter. I don't want to get into the thick of this. Um, but so, uh, so I had to ask them. I had to ask the Made It So group, of like, guys, am I misremembering? Or did like the original series have replicators? And they told me the difference between a synthesizer and a replicator. I just thought that was funny. So thanks, guys. There you go. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, I I have to tell you in the most loving non Big Bang Theory way. And as you were describing that, I was picturing like Justin Long and his friends in Galaxy Quest on the computers 
talking with each other while they have the Galaxy Quest episodes playing. <laughs> Look, you guys wanted to do this show with me. A huge Star Trek nerd. You're gonna get Star Trek nerd. I just, I'm just saying. That's what I pictured. Hey, those guys saved the day. So, like, you know, that's true. Sure. sure. That kid's name is Brandon. That's true. There you go. Look at that. It's all full circle here. Gotta take out the trash. Oh yeah. Excuse me, guys. I gotta take out the trash. <laughs> anyway, that's a good movie. I should watch. I should rewatch that again. Anyway, um, you mentioned something before we started recording about Ortegas in this episode. Sparks. Yes, sorry. I thought we were still going to... I still want to follow up on the technology thing. Uh, go right ahead. Go yeah. right ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, all, all I want to do is drive home just a little bit more of the point of like, I think what bums me out, I think, ultimately about this episode, and we'll get into the specifics of why, is that it feels like they wanted to deal with the the notion of like culpability on both sides but the way that they went about it is a culpability of like personal trauma there's no hint or idea at all directly in this episode that the federation at all was mishandling the war right and and i feel like that's disappointing um granted i know nothing about this war uh, but and just in the context of this episode, like it feels like there should be a more rewarding story out of when we usually get stories like this, war stories like this, and and dealing with the trauma of war uh, afterwards. It's usually soldiers. This is two healers and a pilot who are our main characters. We see dealing with it. Right. It's it's an opportunity for a perspective that can focus more on like the deaths and like that there's no there's no need for this to have happened in a grander sense than yeah. just because of the guy across the other side but of the then trench. i love everything you just said but then they're like no we have to turn omega back in the john wick this is what i mean and i'm just like uh like i feel like you're like mixing up mixing up against the thing you're trying to say like you're rubbing up against it and like we were, we were doing so well for a second when they were talking about the first episode of the season of this season um they were talking about how they regretted in the first season that they never gave Mbanga an action sequence because Babs oh damn it, I still can't pronounce it. Um I I've been practicing and it's just it just won't come out of my mouth right. Um he but he's a martial artist. Yeah. He's a really good right. fighter. We've talked um, about that before, yeah. And I and so like they were like, okay, so with the first episode we gave him an action sequence. And I was like, and I think after watching this one, I'm like I think you overcompensated. I think you should have stuck with the one and not done it again. Or well, this should that, have been the one. Yeah. Well, I'll say that, like, this one doesn't... So, when we first saw it, I assumed that they got to taking the drug because it was the only way for them to live. Like, yeah. that was the, the reason it happened, was a situation like that. And I don't mind Mbenga taking it to exact revenge. But the implication was that he already had it and that it had been used. Am I wrong? No, because the guy with the, the that's the, what he's asking. The evil for. hammer guy was like, yo, you got any more of that stuff? Right. And that he, that's the part. Uh, Mbenga made it. Right. Yeah. That's the part that bothered me is that Mbenga already had made it um, and, and that it had been used for those purposes, regardless of like how he feels about that or not. I thought it would be better if it had been something that he'd only he and Chapel had only taken 
in duress or like to save their again, lives to or attack, save the lives to of others. Survive, or yeah. or again, like I don't mind him taking it for the revenge, but I, I almost wish like that was the first time he'd ever engaged with it. That was literally when he made it was for revenge. Yeah. That would at least be more like like Tony Stark in a, in a cave of scraps. It'd be more rewarding for like what the why the character is doing this, wh- why you make that right like this is doctor who did this right in the davies area all the time like how how like when he crosses the line from being doctor to soldier um and like obviously moffat picked up that baton but like davies started it uh and it's that same notion of like you have this perspective i wish we were getting so much more of it about him having been a healer and feeling like he was ruined by war into being a soldier and Mm -hmm. like you can have that conversation but it doesn't feel like the episode wants to actually be about that yeah yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. There's a sense that I get in regards to in regards to the first episode when I see Umbanga. And this is kind of a thing that this is kind of another thing about this episode that this is the episode where that drug should have been the payoff. Um and it wasn't. And yeah. I'm really confused by that because like Sparks said, I'm kind of seeing a plot line where it's like, okay, well what we he's making the drug. He's like the, the flashbacks are in the background, he's making the drug, and, and the drug isn't something. The thing that really rubbed me the wrong way is mm-hmm. that it was Starfleet sanctioned. Starfleet made the drug. He made the drug for Starfleet on Starfleet's orders, and Starfleet decided to discontinue it. And this I is- feel like that should have been more of like Mbenga was making it because he saw these soldiers dying on the battlefield. Right. And then you could have Starfleet come in and take advantage of it. And then like, that's part of why, again, like it bothers me in this episode is because like Starfleet holds uh, a part in why these events are happening to the people who are in Starfleet. Like yeah. it's not just the Klingons enacting this violence upon them. Like they are, they are in a situation that is c- clearly losing and they are just being thrown up against a wall without any of the resources they need to <clears throat> defend themselves, let alone heal the people who are getting messed up. Mm-hmm. And that there's no notion of like resentment or um, disappointment in the way Starfleet handled the war. Like that's just not a conversation in this episode. And, and again, like I kind of go back to like, then, then why are we focusing on this flashback so much if we're not going to interrogate how Starfleet's also failing them. Because, like, we're just told about all the terrible things that the Klingons are doing. But we're actively watching Starfleet not be able to protect these people. I uh, I could be wrong, because like, I, this might be a thing where, like, they'll never go into this into further episodes. But, like, this might be a situation where, like, they want to show the horrors of war and how bad it could be. But in their eyes, Star, uh, Starfleet is still, like, the, the good guys. So we won't see. <clears throat> they, they don't, they, th- we will never see what we want to see. You know what I mean? They'll never show us what we want to see, is what, is what I'm thinking. Like, they will never paint Starfleet in such a bad light. We're like, oh, are we going to question how Starfleet operates? Like, no, they're they're the, the stars of the show. I think what you're rubbing up against is what is the criticism that Star Trek Discovery encountered in its first season. And it's very clear that Star Trek Discovery was trying to do this like try to be set during the Klingon war it was interrogating West it was interrogating the faults of Starfleet as well as as well as this war and how the Klingons are bad mm. and it was and it was in fact doing what you were saying it was doing not particularly well in, in a lot yeah. of cases but it was attempting it and the fandom well the fan reaction to Star Trek Discovery is very is very clear it's very it's well documented um 
and Star, Star Trek Discovery pivoted and pivoted mm-hmm. hard. And I think in a sense, all of Star Trek did. Uh, Star Trek Picard, very much the same thing. Star Trek Picard in its first season was was looking at Starfleet as the bad guys, pretty much. Like Starfleet was uh, messed up. They did something wrong. Let's interrogate what what that is, what that means for the galaxy. Again, not particularly a great way to go about it, but they were still doing it. And again, that season, the backlash that season is very well documented. And I think what happened was all of the Star Trek shows because of that pivoted mm-hmm. and decided against looking at Starfleet in any critical way. Sure. That's a shame if that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, can you clarify something for me when, when yeah. Starfleet approaches a, a, a planet, whatever civilization, new one, and they say, join Starfleet. If they say no, what happens? Uh, if the other, the other it normally it doesn't happen that way they ask the planet asks for admission into the federation okay so so first contact is not them saying come join federation right first contact is just hey how's it going we're here just letting you know we can be trade partners and whatnot you want us to you want us to hang out you've advanced far enough okay i'm I'm, yeah. I'm only basing it off the first episode of this show yeah sure that that's what pike does so i assume that's what they do um, yeah, no. It's, it, first contact does not mean you're you're brought into the Federation. Normally, a planet has to progress to a point where they ask for Federation citizenship, um, and then they will and then they will be brought in uh, through a, okay. like a process. Okay. Uh, so, but like, if they're not part of Federation, Federation doesn't share their resources with them. And if they have a deal, if they have like a trade, it's like us with like it's like think of like the United States as the Federation and then Mexico as as another planet. We can like trade with them. Sure. Okay. But there has My to be point. like that that communication of like, you know, okay, well we have a we have a contract where we trade with you. We we can move on. My point wouldn't make sense. Well, I'd be curious no. what the point was. Well, I would have said that there's a parallel between like I assuming that Federation doesn't share its resources when people don't join fed join them. I don't think it's like Star Wars Republic. That they would withhold their resources in any sign of duress. So it's basically like, that's fine. Like, we're not going to do anything to you, but we're also not going to, like, give you anything. Yeah. Right. So, like, you're right. you're you're a singular entity on your own kind of thing. They're a little my only positive. point was going to be about how that's a parallel of what they're doing to Mbenga and Chapel. Right. Um, you know, you're, we're, we're, we're giving you something, but it's not much. Um, and and that, that, again, like, there being a criticism of... of Starfleet's way of, and they are colonizing space, um, can have ramifications in indirect ways just by virtue of what they choose not to do as much as what they choose to do. And that would be cool if it was something that they even kind of wanted to play with in this uh, context. Again, like there's other things we should talk about that are actually in the episode um, that this is just more a point of like, I don't understand why you have this landscape and opportunity for these characters to give this perspective. And all we boil it down to is like, man, all people who didn't trust that Klingon sure were right. Shouldn't have trusted that Klingon. Well, that's, um, like, but that's what the episode boils down to. And it kind of, it's kind of lame. Yeah. Now I do want to, I do want to uh, kind of put a button on, on, on this by saying, um, one of the things that I think that the modern Trek shows have done well, even into the pivot, as I, as I've explained it, um, is that they have moved the Federation away from a very Americanized um, focus to a more of a worldwide focus. Because 
it's no secret the federation is based on the united states of america um it, it's very it's very clear um what right um and so like I th- so and so like as time has progressed, there's always been like, oh, maybe the United States, oh, maybe we put the magnifying glass back on the United States. And what I th- appreciate with Prodigy, Lower Decks, Change the World, Picard, Discovery on all forms, at to some degree, they have broadened the Federation out of America and and been very clear, like, no, it's not America. It's what would the world actually look like if it came together and formed a unified Earth. So I really like the intent of that, and I'm glad that they want to do that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. However, I do think it gets sticky when you're doing a prequel show to the original that is deeply American-centralized, and so that means that's what the Federation is. Like, regardless Mm -hmm. of if you try and say they had that more diverse, open perspective, like, that's something you develop in later Trek. That's something that, like, Starfleet should change. But we know Star Trek. And Starfleet wasn't that. Starfleet was very American. Like that was, yeah. it was centralized. It was this idea. And that can allow for mistakes. And they're supposed to learn from them. So this is where it's like, yeah, you should kind of be judging like the, the colonizer aspect. Like, does the Klingon War even happen if you're not in that mentality? Well, the Klingon War is interesting because like they, the first episode of the Star Trek Discovery like introduced the this this Klingon named Takuvma. And Takuvma has this whole thing where he's like where he's like the Federation, um, they claim they come in peace, but what they do is they come to your space and they and they make you be more like them. They make you be more like the Federation. They want you to be more like the Federation. And Takuvma's perspective is that the Federation are colonizers, as you were saying. Whereas the Federation's perspective is we're peacekeepers, we're explorers, we're just exploring, we're just keeping the peace. And sure. that's where the that's where the that's where the war happens because Takuvma has it's on the edge of, of Klingon space, and Takuvma coerces the Federation into a war. He I mean he, it is his fault that the war happened. Um and so 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 again that goes back to the whole thing, like Discovery was trying to do that, and then but but at that same but at that same time, what you're saying is like Discovery wanted to give a non-Americanized sense of this expansion and this yeah. engagement in wider space. But when the original series encounters Klingons, how is that? Well, the original series encountered the Klingons like we encountered the Russians. Uh, the Klingons in the original series are the Russians, and uh, during the Cold War. Yeah, so so pretty Americanized. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what I mean. What's so interesting is like you look at like just ship names now. Ship names are like the in the original in Discovery just alone. The the Shang Zhao is a is a ship in the in Discovery. It's the first ship we see. Um, that would never have happened in the original series. The original series, if you look at Star Trek ships, they're all named after American figures. They're after right. or, or or American ships. Uh, Enterprise is one of the most famous ships in the, uh, ever. Sure. And I, I want to clarify that, like, I'm not disparaging the original series necessarily. I think yeah. for its time, it's incredibly progressive. I would never take that away from it. It's a very progressive show, but it is locked to its time. And that does mean it comes from a very Americanized perspective, because frankly, there wasn't enough information on the table for it to be anything else, nor was there ever going to be a studio giving them enough leeway to do anything else. Right. So, like, it has to be that. But it does kind of mean that the prequel shows also have to be that. You kind of can't you can't globalize the perspective of the Federation if that isn't what it was. 
like that's a really good point. I, I do think that that's just kind of like rubbing up against it. And honestly, like it, it kind of even flies in the face of some of the stuff we watched happen earlier this season. The stuff with Una, that's very American centralized in the way that they're thinking about it. And we talked about that. Like it's it's very based in that. It does not want to broaden its perspective. And that's fine. That's where Starfleet is right now. It won't be there forever. Yeah, that's a really good point. As much as I love this conversation, we should probably get back to the episode, though. Yeah, okay, so um, let's specifically talk about it in terms of this episode. Um, I We have other things we'll touch on, but I do want to just dive into talking about the ending because okay. I don't like... I don't like that it boils down to Klingon bad, and I especially don't like it boiling down to they ultimately seem to have told everybody else now that the ambassador was uh, still a Klingon at heart, I guess, and like prone to violent rage, and all he had to be do all that had to happen was him to be called a war criminal, and he became violent and attacked a Starfleet member, and thus had to be put down. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels like that should have some big ramifications. And at the end of the episode, it doesn't feel like we get any indication of how that will be. Yeah, that's a really good point. So Ambassador Dakra is a Federation ambassador. He's not a Klingon ambassador. He's always working for the Federation. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm when I said that, I meant like that's what he is. He's like he is a oh, Klingon who is an ambassador for No, I know. I was making I'm I'm making a I'm saying something else. Cool. Um and this is where it's locked. This is where the prequel itis kind of sits in because the federation can't have a good perspective on klingons in the original by the time the original series rolls around sure uh so you so the ending of this episode is 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 so i guess interesting i guess yeah i'll say interesting it it is it's kind of interesting to dig into of like this idea that he that that as far as the federation is concerned Doc Rod did not change as what they had thought he did not change. And that perpetuates the idea going into the original series that the Klingons are all blood hungry, bloodthirsty savages. Right. But, but as an episode, it creates a really bad taste in the audience mouth of, well, because I wrote this many times, like what is the point here is the point that, is the point that strange new worlds is telling me that people cannot change because I look, I've been in doc Ross situation where I want someone to believe something. So, so passionately that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, I, you know, passion to someone like me looks like rage. Uh, so like if I'm trying to, uh, and so I, like I get into this kind of spiral of my, you know, all the neurons firing and I'm just sitting there going like, Oh, please, no, please listen to me. Please listen to me. Why won't you listen to me? Um, and, 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 and someone else takes that as rage and then they are in a rage and then they're in a fight. And it's like, I've seen that situation happen. It's happened to me. So in that, and so like, I know, so I kind of fall on Doc Ross side of Mbenga is kind I get that Mbenga has PTSD, which absolutely is relevant and, and something that should be, should be addressed. And Doc Ross was in the wrong to even approach him. Oh but that's God. not a reason why he should be put down. I I feel like I feel like the episode is is it, I, I think this episode frustrates me because it's such a good concept at its core. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately what it is, is it is I think Umbenga gave him the chance, honestly, when he first asked him which one of them fought the hardest to be truthful and tell him 
Iran, which would be different, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, I ran and I thought about what I'd done and I and I and like I I don't think Dark Raw is like making everything up necessarily. I think he wants to have a different perspective, but I also think he feels like it's forced on him. He is a deserter. Like yeah. he can't go home. Um, so like I it it is it is something where it's like, yeah, he made the best of a situation that he ended up in because he was a coward. Yeah. Like as a as a dangerous and and from everything we get contextually in the episode i believe everything they said that like he was brutal and like he he like brutalized people in a way that was absolutely beyond and unnecessary so like he was monstrous the butcher of, but he was also but he was also a coward when faced with it he was a coward mm-hmm. and he can have had thoughts and like really ruminate on things but there is a degree of like it's not necessarily an act but it is a shield. It is a job and position to get behind so that he can live a cushy Federation life. They, the Federation needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can give him whatever he needs and whatever he wants. Well, he doesn't have to suffer the wrath of any Klingons who are mad at him for deserting. And like, that's juicy. That's messy. Yeah. And then what Mbenga did is also messy. Yeah. And I think for me, again, it does kind of come back to the the fear of like Starfleet culpability, because just what you said, Brandon, like when we get to the original series, they have this belief about Klingons that like there is no changing them. You could say this is the thing that makes them believe that you could say this is the thing that makes people who are on this ship who are on the ship later then believe that. And like, this is the reason this is a big, big reason, because this was the guy. This was the guy they were using to begin peace negotiations with Klingons. And it turns out, guess what? They're all murderous bastards. That's the logic. That's the way that, that's the takeaway that they're going to have. What bothers me is that the episode gives no implication of like the greater ramifications of what it means that this is the lie that Mbenga is telling. We know it's not in the next episode because the next one's a musical. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> following this episode up with the musical one was a an interesting choice. It's a fun sandwich. Yeah. Um, uh, but, that's, yeah. but that's, you know, you have this opportunity to use this, yeah. right? If you're going to do it, use it as the thing. And it's weird that they didn't use it as the thing to say, like, this is why Starfleet continues to distrust, distrust Klingons. They gave it a chance. Again, very Americanized in that way. Yeah, we gave it one shot. It was bad. We won't do it again. Um, right. That That would... That would at least like make all of this line up of like why we wanted to drive to this point at the end. But as yeah. it is, I'm kind of like, I don't know how worthwhile was this uh, as a story point. Yeah, because, uh, like, I think of Ortega's and like her whole thing and like the Remain Klingon, and I think all of her stuff's like really good and strong. And I'm like, so does this episode just reinforce her hatred of Klingons and everything that she believes is like right instead of trying to like teach her something? And I'm like that. That's that's like that's not a character. That's like that's not good for no, any of the characters on this ship. I don't think. And I'll attack. I'll attack the thing directly. What it with the framing of it that they want to leave some idea of like who really went for who and who really was about to kill who. It's so sloppy. Um, I th- I don't believe Mbenga. If I'm being honest, I think Mbenga. I I think that Dark Rob got heated, but I don't think he was going to kill him, but Mbenga took it as the opportunity to do so. And I get it. I think, I think there's an amount of like, 
there's a lot of reasons that I, I can kind of get on board with. Like, and I think he was being goaded by Darkraw too. Sure. Darkraw was yeah. pushing him yeah. um, in a way he probably shouldn't have, especially once he realized that he's the one who killed all those other men trying to get to him. So like, I, I think he kind of puts himself in the position to ask for it. But I do think Omega did it like in an act of trauma and violence. And I think it's so much more poignant if the point that you're making with this whole episode is that Mbenga lies, if that is the case, lies about the circumstances of why this happened, even if that isn't exactly how it happened. He's definitely hiding their history and how that fueled that engagement mm -hmm. to paint a narrative just so that now incriminates all Klingons for all of Starfleet. For a while, that's heavy. That really means something. It does. Uh, and I and I don't think they go for that on the head as hard as they should. If this is what we're doing in this or episode. realize what they were doing. PTSD is such an interesting. Yeah, stop saying that. A heavy topic to deal to deal with. If not done right, it can seem a little sloppy. And three characters in this episode. And more, honestly, that we see, but three of our main characters deal with PTSD. Right. And I 100% don't believe in Banga's story. And I think that in a PTSD induced rage, he killed <laughs> Dakra, but Dakra was goading him. And the thing that, the thing that I think would have been interesting is if Ra had. I had seen that this was that that what Mbenga was dealing with was PTSD, and I understand that's probably not something that Klingons have ever had to deal with. Um, it, what am I trying to get at here? It's just it's it. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, it's, I, don't get I, just, it. I don't know what they want us to take away from it when yeah. all is said and done. Because I don't feel better about Omega after this episode. That's no, sure. I don't feel, sure. and I don't feel better about Chapel because yeah. the, also Chapel. Oh yeah, she's complicit, and yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, she says he hears war criminal and he is activated. And I'm like, I don't think that's what happened. No, I don't think that's what happened. And I and I really think that that should be an important moment in the show and in Star Trek that we acknowledge that. Mbenga and Chapel hung an entire race out to dry on this moment. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that they're like the worst people in the world for that. They have they are traumatized. But I do feel like they didn't approach this with a lot of nuance yeah. for these characters or what they're going for. Um and that really just is like it feels like a very big whiff of an opportunity. Sure. Um, like they wanted to do something very pointed and very political inside of Star Trek. And I feel like it doesn't all come together to make anything really strong. And if I, and if like, if I knew the next episode were a direct follow up or like we're going to continue to have this, not even a part one, part two thing, just like we are going to continue to talk about the things we just talked about, I'd feel a little bit better about it. But I know just like it's happened a lot this season, something that happened this episode that I hope they address, like, uh, yeah, it's okay. That's something they really did, like, good in the first, like, besides the Una thing. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I just, this episode, like, the more I think about it, I'm just kind of bummed out about it. 
I think that there's potential to revisit the events of this episode in the next season. And I hope they take yeah. the opportunity to do so. This is kind of the issue that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is running into this season in regards to it being only 10 episodes. And I understand, you know, you get you get a larger budget. If you if you do on a streaming service, you get a larger budget, you do 10 episodes, and you're done. But if you had 20 episodes, hell, even 15 episodes, you can revisit this episode this season and you could do something with this and really like dive into this. But you're not going to because your real estate in this episode in this season is so short. And I'm kind of running into an issue with this 10 episodes. The reason why I bring this up is because I'm running into an issue with this 10 episode season in in the last season. In the sense that the last season also had a few things that were set up too. That didn't happen in this season. That didn't pay off in the season. So are we going to get in the next season or are we just never going to get it? And again, this is something if you had more episodes, you wouldn't need to run into. But we are running into this. And I feel like episodic star trek does better with longer with longer seasons yeah i i i definitely don't think every single tv show needs the 20 to 23 episode old school model not every show needs that or deserves that but something like star trek where it is again a serialized where like you can't have it is basically like almost a monster of the week in space type show uh but you can't have serialized form throughout that uh star trek is a show that deserves that and like I love how good the show looks. Like, it is really nice to have a, like, incredibly beautiful, expensive Star Trek show. But, like, if I can get double the episodes, I would take a budget budget cut. Because I am someone, I'm, I'm not cut up, but I watch Doctor Who. And that show looks like shit. And I don't care that it looks like <laughs> shit, you know? So if I can get a show that looks a little bit less good for double the episodes, I honestly, I would eat it up. I would totally be happy with that. More, like, on the on, on set stuff, more, like, old costume stuff. I love that stuff. I don't mind that. I think my bigger problem with this is that I think even if we had more episodes, I would still think you needed to answer like this concept of what is this about and what is this for? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, in this episode, regardless of if we're going to visit and literally I would have to know it's a, there's a part two yeah, that's coming up next for me to be okay. Otherwise you needed to tell me in this episode, why is this the way we went with this? Yeah. What is the implications of this? And I and I think you're right, Brandon. I think there's a good chance that next season they could pick up the string and be like, well, this is how we feel about Klingons ever since. Da, 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 da. After the Gorn stuff. Right. Yeah. But 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 like there's no part of me that's gonna feel like that was that was fully baked in this episode because it's not given to me in this episode. And it feels like it should have been. It should have been clear by the end of the episode what the implications of the ending between Mbenga and Dark Rob were. And they're not. Yeah. I would love to, I, 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 there's like, I'm sure every show has like an after show where like the creators talk and stuff, but I'd be really curious for this specific episode to hear like what the writers and director were thinking about this episode. I really want to hear what the perspective is on the, what the fi- the, the finale of this episode of like, gonna... of like what, what, what do they think is like the net positive? Like, cause like, why would you have Mbega like kill this man? And like, are we just never gonna bring it up again? It's gonna sound a lot like people talking about the Arrow episode about about guns. the gun. <laughs> so, yeah. I would recommend you watch the Ready Room episode on this. So, the Ready yeah. Room is the is the Star Trek after show. It's um, Will Wheaton hosts the Star Trek after show, and every time an episode drops, there's a new one. So there is one for every episode okay. of Star Trek. I would recommend you watch this one. I, I'm not sure how, if you'll come away with it because i certainly didn't come away with it with knowing anything more but it, it is interesting mm-hmm. to hear at least what they thought they were doing okay. uh we can pivot to ortegas yeah so ortegas is 
shafted this season. One of the things that, that I'm kind of running into, when I'm kind of running into with Ortega is, this season is that they clearly didn't know what they wanted to do with her. However, in this episode, I think this is the most interesting thing they do with her, and yet it's not even a focal point of the episode. It's two scenes. And if you want to give her a subplot in any episode, I think it should have been in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I said that I felt like this should have been an Ortegas episode because I kind of wish it was we were getting everything through the perspective of Ortegas. And like the whole episode, we spend the time thinking she's the hothead that's going to go off. But she's mm-hmm. the one who's with Mbenga when he's the one that pops off. Not Chapel. And like, I would really change a lot of how this episode is structured if I did that. But like, if I made the, if I were to redesign this episode, I would have played Mbenga as trying to re- like really fooling people, playing it straight and cool, and getting hints that Chapel's worried about him because she knows that he's not well. Um, and you can have still have like Pike kind of like, what's up? But like Ortegas thinking he's like even going to him and being like, how do you handle it? And him like honestly kind of feeding bullshit of mm-hmm. how you deal with it because he's not dealing with it. and uh but that's like the perspective she has and so but you spend this time thinking she's the one that's gonna like really tear off on on darkwa and then it's mbenga that ends up doing it and ortega's having to kind of like rethink where she is in relation to that it just it just would have been a better like i think a internalizing a lot about a character we don't get to spend a lot of time doing it with but also like putting her on outside perspective of what's going on with mbenga i think would have allowed them to at least with the things they decide to do in this episode, I think play a little better with it because they would have been able to more extra outside external perspective look at PTSD rather than trying and not quite hitting, tackling it through the episode itself. You bring up an interesting point that I want to re- I want to kind of go back to, which is, you reminded me of an interesting point that I want to go back to real quickly, which is that Pike is given orders to have his to have people who are directly affected by the war and Dakra specifically have dinner with him. And Pike should have disobeyed those orders 1000%. Yeah, this is this okay, so like this is my other thing with the episode is that like at best it puts makes Pike seem overly optimistic and at worst it makes him seem absolutely ignorant in like a way Pike never has been before. Um, and I say that about what you just said, Brandon. I say that about like when Darkrog grabs Mbenga by the arm to say, let's do some combat later. And Pike's just like, that sounds like a good idea. That's cool. I will not have anybody go into that room and also be there just in case. Um, I'm just going to let them do this. That's security fine. officer Lon. I'm not going to have security sure officer Lon make sure nobody dies. just to make sure nobody gets a little heated and yeah. out of control. This should be fine. This should be fine. Like, what the heck, Pike? I bring it up specifically because I, I think this episode creates, I think this episode does it too much, but I do think there's an interesting discussion to be had about Cap, about Captain Pike. Because Pike's not a wartime captain. He mentioned it many times that he didn't see any action during the Klingon War. He was off in right. deep space. Right. He is he is a captain who has never had to deal with this kind of conflict, this kind of this kind of thing. And it goes back to what we see in the final episode of season one, Equality of Mercy. The reason why he's so different from the reason why he's so different from Kirk is because 
Kirk is a wartime captain. He is a captain who knows what to, what what should be done during war, and he gets the Romulans' respect for it. Pike is a captain who don't, who doesn't, and only and wants to do his best to make peace with our enemies, and loses the Romulans' respect for it, and which is why that the future ends up being shitty. And so, and I think that that episode of Quality Mercy, which is my favorite episode of Star Trek at this moment, is uh, of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds at this moment is a much better encapsulation of what this episode did because yeah. this episode accidentally makes Pike seem too ignorant uh, uh, because there's multiple times where I'm watching this episode where I'm like, even Pike who has no idea how to handle himself in a wartime situation uh, should know better than this. Well, and like the thing is I can, I can buy Pike trying to go for this. Right, the orders come down. Pike approaches Mbenga and Chapel, and frankly Ortegas and whoever else he needed to, um, <laughs> before they pick him up and has a conversation about why this is being asked of them. And they, in their respect and dutifulness to him, bolster down their PTSD and say, "Yeah, that's okay." But he, and he does do this in the episode, says, "I'm not going to make you do something." You know, you got to say this is okay. And if it's okay, like, that'd be great. It's a big help. I think it could be the difference in making these peace things work. But, like, and he is an optimistic person. So, like, I can I can buy that. But, like, he left the choice up to them. I just think that he made the choice up to them a little late because he's already on the goddamn ship. Um, mm. And that's that's the part that really gets me is that he wouldn't have brought it up. Like, just frame it as him bringing it up top of the episode before he gets there. Can we do this? Oh man! Then you could open the episode with the Mbenga scene where he's fixing the where he's fixing the 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 bio been, bed. It would have been. It oh, been. hey, why why did they make a big deal at the end that it, the bio bed freaks out? Because like it's like it zooms in and it sputters and and are we supposed to no? Are we supposed to care? Well, it's because you can fix something, but it you can fix something, but it's always going to break again. Um, it's, it's kind of an. an, okay, an I'm just making sure. It's what I said it was. It's no, I'm just making sure. No, 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 but it's sloppy metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a sloppy, as, as Mark said, it's a sloppy metaphor for PTSD of like, you can mend it, you can kind of put a band-aid on it, but that band-aid's going to fall off and you're and yeah. it's never going to go away completely. I'm just making sure that wasn't like a tease to the next episode or something in the computer. I'm, like, I'm a, making sure it was actually that. It was a weird and clunky way to try to end the episode, especially mm -hmm. like putting the focus on the bed malfunctioning, like making us think like Mbenga's violently dangerous around any corner now. I'm like, this is this is a really weird way to do this. Just in general, like that again, like that ending and like the note of it and and all that like it it just it just it just doesn't work. It doesn't leave the right taste in my mouth when we come out of it. Um but yeah going back to the pike thing like you just you just slightly reframe when he asks them are they okay with it? Because he does, he gives them, he he fully respects them. He gives them the power of choice of how much they want to be involved in this. And they all say yes. And they say later that they're like, yeah, we're doing it because we, we freaking love you. Yeah. Like we love Pike. We want to do this for him. And like, because he wants to believe that peace is possible. And like, that's all fine and good. But it's the stuff that comes later that really gets me about like, no, yeah, combat's okay. That's, that's, this is going to be fine. This is because be murder, murder cover up. Even before that, he even says to he even says to Mbenga's like, "Hey, if you need to go check on Ortega's, you should." Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, that's and, make, he does to make him get up and get out of the room. And then Dark Rock grabs him by the arm, and I'm like, boy, let's, this is, let's fight later. It's a bad choice. The thing about the thing about Pike is that he wants to be everyone's friend. And I think that he has this he has this moment. I think what really kind of damns him in this episode, for me personally, is the end when he approaches Omega and he says, Hey, if you want to tell me anything different than the official story. I'll, I'll go to bat for you. I don't think there'll be an inquiry. You've got me. You've got me on your side. And I get it. I And I'm happy that he did that. But the fact that he just kind of like, yeah, all right. I believe you. I trust you. Bye. And that's where we leave that. No hint that Pike could probably not believe him. Or maybe there's something more that he wants to do. But he's willing to protect his friend no matter what. Like, I... I don't know. Just, there's something about, again, going back to Equality of Mercy, the, the the season one finale. I just think that's a that does what this episode is trying to do much better. Uh, and I yeah. don't. I just I just think that what how this episode handles what Pike is doing in this episode is also very sloppy. They're therapists, right? They exist. Not in the 23rd century. Well, there are therapists, but not in the ships. Not in, not in the 23rd century. Okay, it should be. I'm trying to remember because I'm like, what did what who did what did Mbenga say that Laon needed to do as her doctor? He said like, you need to talk to someone, right? Oh, she so. says, yeah, I talked to you. Isn't that, isn't that right? And thing? he's like, the implication feels like therapist. Yeah, yeah. like like that. That's what you need. It's weird. The doctor is the therapist. Putting it in the logic of what's going on, though, it's weird that even under these circumstances and the I'm going to believe you thing, Pike wouldn't be like, okay, but like, I really think, you know, as your captain, I need to tell you, like, you've got to go talk to somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. it, he, he just kind of, it, it truly, really what it comes down to, I think ultimately for me, is that it truly feels like the ship and Starfleet as a whole does not care that Mbenga murdered this person. No. Like when it comes down to it at the end of the episode, nobody really cares that he did this. Yeah. And Una, Una is the smartest person in this episode because she walks up to Pike and says, you need to get this dude off the ship now. Right. Yeah. Huh? But like, you know, you get to the end and like everybody we see after that is just kind of like, yeah, dang. Wow. Turned out to be just the worst piece of shit, I guess crazy that you had to go through that so sorry my guy here's your crown king um <laughs> like it's just it's it's a little it's just so odd it's so cavalier it's so uncaring about this action occurring this 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 what feels like should be a major altercation we haven't we haven't watched uh <laughs> this kind of thing happen on stream that's the thing like I would say up until this point, like even it's serious moments like this I think this episode goes further than it has gone before and I don't have a problem with that but the, but like again like once we get to the end of this episode i'm like i don't even know what you're trying to say and you're making your characters look actively worse than the before and like mm -hmm. i we have to address this in some capacity again it's not this season because like a brand it's not it's not an episode 10 at all right like even any of that's any of that's no. guessing? okay so like maybe they address it again but like murder happening on the enterprise of this capacity and there's like almost like a cover-up of it feels like something that that should be a little more important than just like man eh, don't worry about it like it feels right. it feels like substantial feel feel like it has more weight than just kind of the hand wave that it feels like the end of the episode is yeah it, yeah it's like yeah it's like prestige tv I, what they're trying to do in like like 
like week to week Star Trek. And I'm like, I just don't know if you're capable of doing that. Uh, and I do want to highlight that I think even in the sloppiness of this execution, I do think there are good things. Like, I do like that Omega has the bit where he says, like, I didn't start the fight, Chris, but I'm glad he's dead. I thought he was going to say, but I ended it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I honestly like, I'm glad that's not what it was. Uh, that, that it, I, cause I, I thought that too. That's the but that he one. said, but that he said, but I'm glad he's dead. I'm like, that's poignant. That means something. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like the episode wants to put the weight behind what that means, but it is a good line. It is a good beat. And like him calling Chris out for being privileged just for not being in war and not yeah. having lived that life. He's like, we agree a lot about a lot of things, but you haven't lived my life. And like, that can carry so much weight. It's just like, the episode doesn't want to engage with all the context of what that means around yeah. Mbenga. We have been, I, I, we have been mostly critical, but like, I do enjoy this episode still because like, again, up until the end, like I really liked the trajectory of they were going with and I really liked the ideas they were exploring, but it's like, it, it feels like they were juggling eight balls and when they got to the end, they're like, oh shit. And they just okay. dropped all the balls. The, the reveal, uh, when Mbenga says it was not Kif who fought the hunter. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, he killed them. And he's yeah. like, I am the butcher of Jagal. I was like, this is this is hot stuff. This is hot, too hot to handle. I dropped the pot stuff. Um, like it's very, very good and it's very weighted. And I wish more of the material around it wanted to feel like it was meeting that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, All right. I, I have, I want, I'm going to go through some lines that I liked. Ooh, uh, one, one other very in it very briefly, but I do want to highlight one character does make a lot of good choices in this episode. And his name is Spock. Um, mm. Spock makes excellent choices, uh, deciding to like, I sense something is wrong. And it's like, he just has to keep talking about how he's achieved peace. And he's like, I can change that. Oh yeah. yeah. And goes <laughs> over and changes the conversation. And I'm like, how magical, how wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I really like the line that Chapel says, why is it so hard to explain to people who weren't there? I mm -hmm. think that's an incredible line uh, to just kind of exemplify what uh, the episode is trying to say, which is basically that, uh, you know, it, it's very you can't explain PTSD. You can only experience it. Um, and that and because and because that goes to another line where someone's where uh, Una says everyone is on their own journey. Because she's having a conversation with Pike after she hands him the pad to be like, get this dude off the ship. Um, and she, they had this conversation where it's like, we have to, where Pike is like, well, we have to believe that people can change. And Una's like, you can't force everyone to change the same way. Everyone is on their own journey. And there's a lot of people on the ship who are just not ready to forgive Ra or the Klingons. And you need to respect that. And I really like yeah. that. I think that's really <laughs> poignant. Yeah. Um, and uh, he so and then Pike has a, as a, as another line later to Mbenga. I think he's saying to it um, when he's talking about, well, where's the line between s someone who gets the knife and someone who gets redemption? Like who pay? He says who pays and who gets redemption is the line. And I think that's right. a really interesting line. Also, uh, just kind of again, kind of coming around this idea, kind of circling around this idea of like. Is change possible for someone like Raw? Should we give someone like Raw a second chance, or is this a person, or is this not a person who's worthy of redemption? And and who makes that decision? Where is that line? And and who is that that person to make it? Right. And I mean, like that's very much a 
that's really even like another whole tier beyond the things we were talking about that they weren't even like wanting to engage with of like, you know, saying like who has the right to judge when someone gets punished or killed or, or that kind of thing. Um, and I think it's, it's all the more kind of muddy in how they land that line just because of contextually, this is no different than if just like a other villain of any other Star Trek episode had attacked Mbenga and Mbenga defended himself, technically, right, from Chris's perspective. Should Mbenga and Chapel's story be true? This is no different than that. They have a history, but it doesn't change the fact that he he technically should have just defended himself. And any other time, that would never be a conversation about, like, well, who has the right to judge? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. And so, like, it's it's almost... Because we know the greater context, it's not. But because Pike doesn't, it's like, it's kind of shitty for him to put that on Mbenga in this moment of like, essentially saying like, pretty much I don't believe that you did this out of self-defense, which I don't believe either. But that I don't believe that, and thus you have judged him on your own merits for, for why to kill him. And I'm like, any other guy did this on the ship, like you would not. Like he attacked your crew, that'd be it. He'd be done. Yeah. yeah. Like this happens. This has happened tons of times. Like th- th- I don't know. Like I, why? Just because there, you know there is some amount of PTSD, we get to lay this on the feet of being a greater sense of like how you judge whether one. Like at this point, Mbenga is already put up with enough for Chris. Like even if we didn't have the greater context that we have, and we only had Chris's perspective of, uh, and then I called him a war criminal and he attacked me and I defended myself and he's dead now. Uh, you kind of just let the man be at, do you think he's ha- like, do you think this is how he wanted his day to go? Do you think he wanted to encounter this person again? Yeah. The person's on the ship because of you. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't come at him with like all these philosophical, like, what do you think about judging people for, I don't know. And this is, again, like, they're just not executing on what they want to do with the episode well. But, like, in the context of what we know Chris knows about the situation, it does feel kind of shitty he comes out of Benga that way. Technically, it's it's just weird. It's, it's it's not a good way to approach a person you know has gone through as much as he has. Yeah, I agree. Um, can I ask you a question, Sparks? Always. What did you think of seeing your first sonic shower? Man, those look awful. Boring. <laughs> <That's> just awful. <laughs> those look so You don't miserable. even see the sound waves. Yeah, a little bit. Not enough for me. Sure. Yeah, it, he just looks like he's kind of... It, it doesn't help that he's, like, blurring in and out of memory. That's so also... Like, <laughs> it's not clear. I imagine it, like... Remember, you guys... you Brandon, you love the Incredible Hulk. 2008's Incredible Hulk. You know those sonic sound wave machines that, that the whole cast... Like, oh, that's what I'm imagining happening here. You your body's, like, ribbing I get the, and getting I get, the, I get the logic of it where, like, you know, you're in that state and, like, a shower is just going to help you kind of, like, wash some of that off yourself. And, like, that works on a lot of people. Like, you know, you go, you take a shower, you're like... I clean myself of it and I looked at what the sonic shower is doing and I'm like I don't know is this helping <laughs> is this making it better I like water <laughs> it's just like air reverberating at you making it a little worse so oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's, the, that's what's so interesting about the sonic showers is because we now we've seen them I think this is our second time seeing them oh no by the way I just got I just got confirmation from my made it so group that in in Star Trek Lower Decks they are sonic. They are communal sonic showers, not communal regular showers. 
Man, they can't get a, they can't get a break anywhere. Damn. <laughs> and awful. so I, I was looking at this. This is the first They're time because like together. <laughs> because the first time like I saw a Sonic shower, I, I, if I remember the scene correctly, I think it's in Voyager, um, where where uh, Belana is in is in the is in the Sonic shower, and it like and it like turns on, and then the 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 grime that's on her like uh, comes off of her body, and that and, and and like that, I was like, okay, cool. But this one, I'm like. The dude's sweating. Is that yeah. doing anything for the I, sweat? I, I understand the logic of the sonic shower. I think it's terrible. I assume. I would he, never want to live in that future. He was pretty, he seemed pretty sweaty. I thought they were going to do some digital, like, oh, the sweat's going away. Like, we're vibrating the sweat off. But, like, they didn't, mm-hmm. it just looked like nothing was happening to him. And I'm like, this is boring. I don't like sonic showers. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are baths. There, there are baths with water, so... The, the whole the whole context of uh that scene in particular where we get so many flashes of what he experienced this it's another reason why i'm like i just don't think we need the real state of those other flashback scenes as much i think we could have we could have done more in the present to really flesh out these characters and what the actual conversation of this episode is supposed to be about agreed i do want to mention that i appreciate that this is a it's an it's an Mbenga episode, but there is kind of a Chapel and Mbenga episode where it's not centered around Chapel and Spock. I just think that's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I'm I was happy about that. Yeah, um, I agree. I just think it's weird that we continue to just like not really engage with the fact that they're a couple after they have become a couple. Like we keep kind of doing it, but not really doing it. I'm really excited for you guys to see the next episode. I mean, I assumed it's a big part of the musical episode. I assumed. Romance is in the air. Um, th- that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, okay. I, I think all my notes are... Yeah, all right. I, that's it. I think we had a lovely conversation. Uh, uh, I think we are critical of this because when you try to do more with an episode, you have more to falter on, and I think, unfortunately, they just really faltered on it. Um, I really still like a lot of the episode. It's just they really fumble that last act. Um, I really like that the the Klingon guy. I think he's like a great actor. I really like his shtick, like him, like oh, I'm pretending to be a, a, a good guy. Like I like all that stuff. Um, I just think it's it's just a very messy, very messy ending. I also one last line to go back to, which is um, uh, because Parks, you mentioned the uh, the 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 reveal that Mbanga is the butcher of Jagal. I, I like the line using the blood on my hands to make yourself a saint. I just think that's a good line. Yeah, I think it's very, I think it's very poignant. I think there's a lot of justification when like you look at it in that context and he's, he ta- tells the story, like I killed all these Klingons and that's why I'm trusted. And like, mm-hmm. no, you didn't, you ran. Yeah. You ran and you ran to the Federation because they're the only choice you had. Um, and I, and I think that's valid. It's just like, what a clunky episode for handling it. Um, Speaking of the flashbacks real quick, there's the one where Umbenga makes the call to um, shut down the transporter system or whatever he does that kills one guy but saves the others. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. See, I forgot about it too because like, I don't know what it means in the rest of the episode. This is my point. Like like the, some of that flashback stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's a tough choice. I, I, feel, I, I feel that. Like, how does that connect to the rest of the story we're telling? He never even talks about it. Like, neither does, like, I, I don't. See, I don't. I know. completely forgot about that entirely. Can you remind me? 
Because I completely forgot. So what it is is like they're trying to pull people back because they know that he's having like all the civilians murdered. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. need to open up a big transport pad. Tell me if I'm wrong about this, Brandon. Um, so that they can recall the people back. Yeah. But the way that they're having to reset the system in order to do it is going to kill a guy for some reason. It's okay. going to kill the one guy who's over there. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to die, but the rest of them are going to be able to save portal we'll back. Say, uh, kill so, one to save many. Yes. So you're 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 kind of half right. So what happened is in the beginning in in the first flashback we meet a guy who's too far gone there's no dermal regenerator there's no organ regenerator on this on this planet so they uh he'll he'll die he's just gonna die um but they know that the starships are coming and they'll have all the equipment they need um so they put his pattern into the transporter buffer and save it there like Mbenga did with his daughter in the first season thank you yeah mm-hmm. um and so his pattern is there but when the Klingons attack in the final flashback, it takes out all the transporters. So they have to reset the transporters, which has to reset the buffer in order to clear the buffer so that you can bring in more people. Now, and I like it. And so, so, so if you, you, so you have to clear the buffer mm-hmm. and it kills and it kills this guy, essentially. I like the moment, actually. I, I do. I think it's a pretty poignant moment. But as Sparks said, it really has no bearing on the episode outside of, yeah, war sucks. Well, we get that. Yeah. We, you've told us that the entire episode. Right. That's my that's my problem. Yeah. Like, I think there's just too many scenes of that flashback stuff. And like, that's definitely a tough choice that Mbenga made. And like, if you want to make a direct one to one about like making a choice like that and feeling like this guy is the guy who made him have to make that choice, then like, OK, but like draw that line a little more clearly and maybe not filter in as much other stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a strong right. choice. It's just a strong choice, not supported by anything else in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you guys want to bring up? No, I uh, uh, I appreciate the attempt to do something like this, but like, man, uh, uh, you needed like I don't know another get another writer on this one, maybe. There's always two writers. I get that. two more writers. I feel like when you set out to make an episode like this, especially, you kind of have to start off with some kind of thesis statement of like what this is a conversational episode with a heavy topic what are we trying to say and like that should be cemented and then if anything in the episode isn't serving that idea it shouldn't be there um and i don't think they have that i don't think they have a thing that they're saying like this is what the episode is driving for like everything we're doing here is driving to this particular point um i don't mind when shows do um these kinds of episodes where they want to get really topical about something. Yeah. Um, even if they feel like all of a sudden the show kind of got really hyper focused on something that's not focused on the rest of the time. And this happens all the time in other shows. And I don't mind that, but I do need to feel like they at least had some kind of reason they felt like they wanted to do this. And like, there was an intent, whether it was an intent for the characters or the larger story or for the audience of why they wanted to do this and go for this heavy topic. And I just don't, I can't tell you what it is, what it's I, supposed to be. Like, I obviously this isn't the entire thing, but Brendan, you telling us that that actor wanted to do more action makes me think like they were just his arc was he becomes <clears throat> more of an action man, and they really weren't thinking about the consequences of it. Because yeah. like well, he is a healer who's done so much combat. I'm like, I I get I get the point you're trying to do, but like you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think the, we, the, oh, sorry, the point. Just real quickly, I think the point that they want to get across is that war changes people. Mm-hmm. And like I get that. You've made that point. And I think you've I think you're coming back to that point too often. And can, beating us over the head with it. And if I'm being honest, like you gotta have more to say than that. 
yeah. frankly. Like, you know, even people who haven't been in war get war war changes people. We all we all have encountered somebody like who who's gone through it one way or another. Um, whether they've gone through it through a loved one that we we like we know them and that they had a loved one who went through it, or we have a loved one, whatever. We know war changes people. We know war changes nations. Like it's it's not it's not a very uh uh thoughtful thing to be going for. Um, and I think that there needed to be more on the table than yeah. that. Star Trek Picard dealt with the fact that the Dominion War really changed the Federation. I thought that was pretty okay. All right. There you go. I think right. we suggested I think we suggested in our conversation a lot of like clear ways where there was potential to have pivoted the focus of this episode. And I think that's really what it comes down to. It's just like the focus was off. And I think if the the episode was refocused about around what it was supposed to be on, there's ways you retool a lot of what's here, just alter some things around and, and put the focus where it's supposed to be. And by the end of the episode, tell us, tell us what it's supposed to be about. Like it doesn't have to be a direct, like looking at the camera, like it was about this but it does need to give some kind of idea of and that's why we wanted to tell you this story like yeah. this is how it serves these characters this is how it serves this narrative um and i think if they just done that refocusing there's a solid episode in here because there's some really great ideas again i stress like that reveal about umbenga is really strong the messiness honestly about this at this point in time in Starfleet and Klingon's history with each other, that there is there is this one guy who they're holding up there, like he is the he is the evidence that we can have peaceful negotiations. And it's like, yeah, but he's only doing it because you're the thing keeping him alive. <laughs> like that's that's very, very heavy. And to have those different perspectives on why he's like that and what that means, like that's a lot of really juicy stuff. You just had to refocus on it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Shall we get out of here? Yeah. Warp speed. Uh, all right, guys. That was uh, that was episode eight under the cloak of war. Uh, we'll be back next time for subspace rhapsody. Insane. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's just the fact that they followed it. Crazy. We'll be back next week to ask James Kirk, "What are you doing on this ship?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that one. It's, no, I'm kidding. It's that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, all right. So that'll do it, guys. Of course, uh, if you're watching this, well, that means the strikes are over and it's all happy good times. And uh, But there's uh, hopefully, hopefully all happy good times. Um, but there's all the, all sorts of other shows on this channel. But there's plenty more Fickner's Watch that you can check out that you haven't had a chance to yet because of the strikes, such as Secret Invasion, probably in Ahsoka, uh, if I had to imagine. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, these things are coming out in order of when we record them. So Ahsoka's on the way shortly. Yeah. So there you go. It won't so all drop of... at once. So shortly. So there's there's plenty of other things you can you can check out. But make sure to check out our website uh, to find links to all the shows and the shows that were impacted by the strike, so that you can uh, catch up if you're interested. Uh, we hope you are. Um, and yeah, so check out also our social all sorts of things there. Are, uh, I'm, I hope you enjoyed all of our Basement Arcade and and uh, and Bigner Book Club content that we did in this time. Um, what do you think? Like 18 episodes of Bigner Book Club till the, <laughs> the strikes are I don't over. know. I don't know how much do you think we do between now and 2025. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Um, I, I, 2025. I hope it's a good year. All right, that'll do it. Um, of course, you can check out our Patreon or T Public if you'd like to support us financially, which all linked below, uh, as well as our website at FictorPodcast.com. 
You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. You can also check out, or you can also email us if you'd like at Fickner Podcast. Sorry, at FicknerGuys at gmail.com. I'm at BC McClure. Check out my Twitter. I also write for CPR.com, uh, AtomicEatham.com, and KaiDramaMedia.com. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything witty. Uh, at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Uh, Ryan? Uh, you can find me being a bohemian, enjoying next week's Rhapsody at Ooh. DJ Tony Snark everywhere. Ooh. Everything all at once. Tasty. I like that. There it. you go. You did it. All right, guys. Until next time we see us, live long and prosper. <laughs>